Welcome back to the seven golden rings to relationship success. Today, uh, it's one of the ones that we've been anticipating for a long time. This one's class seven. This one's about shame topics. And today, part one on this first one, so you can go back and watch different ones. We'll have three different parts on the shame side. Today, part one, the shame hierarchy. We're going to talk about some fundamentals, uh, some building blocks about this topic of shame that has people just imprisoned in all these awful things that they go through. So today, just want to uh, work this through. Uh, this will be a little bit shorter one than we're used to. I've got Abednego there. Ragnar, you're with us. Um, what we're going to do today, we're going to talk on this particular one, part one, and the shame hierarchy. We're going to go over what the building blocks are for shame, how that works, how you can get out of this shame, and we're going to give you some Monday morning tips about how do you get your mindset ready to move on with your life on there. So before we get started, Ragnar, I'll start with you. Just real quick hits, anything, uh, anything uh, going on with you as far as this topic goes today? Well, like we've discussed, I think it's just a pivotal topic. We kind of got into it a little bit in last class. Um, I think this is, I think shame, especially tied into the church is, in my opinion, is probably um, responsible for a lot of suicides with men. And um, I think if we can release that pressure, uh, hopefully we can stop that epidemic. Yeah, I really do think so too. Abednego, any uh, quick hits yeah. before we start getting going? I'm, I'm real excited to talk about this today and for the next few sessions because this is a critical, critical um, thing that we're talking about, the shame. There's so many guys who are just so filled with shame, they don't know how to deal with it. And Ragnar's right, it leads to a trigger or a rope. And uh, we definitely want to stop that. And so excited to talk to you guys today about this. Yeah, really do. Um, there's a couple of things you guys just brought up. And we're going to go into this in a little bit. I'm not going to give you the whole breakdown right now. But as we start the shame hierarchy in part one of class number seven on the seven golden ring series, uh, again, it's a PMC uh, copyright 2020. Uh, the overview of this, we've got three classes today. The over one, the shame hierarchy, just real quickly, what we'll do on this, we'll just break down the components of shame and how it builds and how we internalize it. The next one, the next class we're going to do, you want to tune into part two also. Really, we're talking about suicide issues there where shame has gotten so out of control that people have no hope and so we've got a lot of monday morning a lot of stuff there actionable items that you can take part three is we're going to in this shame series here part three is we're going to break down and tell you how to unbundle we're going to teach you how to unbundle sin and shame because especially in the church you brought that up ragnar it's one of the things that as christians we can't figure out how to break down sin and shame in their component parts to deal with them. So I'm going to leave that for later on. I'm going to dive in right here, right away on shame hierarchy. So let me, let me go there, uh, guys, as we get started. And so I want to get you up to speed with the terminology on this and make sure we're all here. Um, the, the first part we have on here, okay, is this thing, what we call embarrassment, okay? And this is something that is uh, familiar to everyone on this. And it's, um, now this could be anything, okay? It doesn't have to be a big full-blown situation here, but this one is fleeting, okay? It is, uh, what we're gonna say, short-term, okay? Maybe you came out of the bathroom and your zipper's down, right? Um, maybe you came out of the bathroom, I don't know why everything has to be about the bathroom, uh, but it works out, I guess, everyone is kind of universal. Maybe you walked out of the bathroom and some toilet paper's on your shoe, and you're trying to work through here and everybody's kind of giggling at you and laughing, but it goes away, okay? So it's just embarrassment. 
but it kind of stings a little bit too. Um, as we work through this though, embarrassment, it's a really low level on this. It doesn't, it's not, it, it doesn't hurt with the same acute pain that, that you feel when you full, feel full blown shame on this. So embarrassment, um, you know, maybe your zipper, you know, toilet paper, it could be whatever, okay? It could also be, maybe you, and we've talked about this, we've had a series on this, um, maybe it's uh, hey man, you got booger nose going on, you know, whatever. Okay. But, and it's kind of embarrassing, but these are terms that we'll be familiar with in our group. This is just kind of stupid stuff, part of life. Okay. A lot of body function stuff going on here. Number two, as we move down here, okay. After embarrassment, the next one we want to put on here is there's a thing that we call guilt. Okay. And this is a distinct item. This is, um, it's about an action, okay? You did something. Um, you did something on this. And why, why, it's, why it matters, because it goes into your subconscious and it kind of sticks in here. Um, you did a bad thing. I don't like to use that term, bad thing, good thing. But in terms of you broke some moral code here, okay? Maybe you, you stole something, okay? Stole um, candy bar, let's just say. Maybe you stole a candy bar, okay? Whatever. Uh, maybe you lied to someone. Uh, and so maybe you feel a little bit of moral pang there, okay, on your, on your conscience. And so this is different, though. Again, when we talk about embarrassment, really, we didn't break any moral codes or universal laws here. But guilt now, this is about a thing you did. This is not about you. So when we move down towards shame, we're going to see a little bit different on this because shame is more about you as a person and you internalize some stuff. Okay. On guilt. Yeah. You did a bad thing here. You slipped up a little bit on this thing. Okay. And so there's some things on this that kind of, um, they bother you, you know, you could have done better on this thing. And so that's, that's kind of where that goes. So on this hierarchy embarrassment, we start with that. It kind of goes away, but some people got a laugh out of it, and that's pretty cool, whatever. Guilt, you did a bad thing here, but you easily can get over this and rectify this. Okay, you stole a 50-cent candy bar or a $2 candy bar, whatever they are nowadays. You just go back and pay the store owner the candy bar, and you, you go. You're good. You're gold. You get back online. If you lie to somebody or you did some other deal, then you go rectify that. You go to that person and you just let them know and you can reconcile on that situation there. Okay. So embarrassment and then guilt. We move now down as we start to, we move down here on oscillation levels. Okay. Um, and as we go down here, number three, humiliation. I'm going to put that up here. The more we move down here, guys, on the shame hierarchy, the more pain we feel, the more we're frozen, the more isolated, all this stuff keeps coming up, okay? And so I'm going to move that to the next one, is that number three on this hierarchy here, okay? We have humiliation. Now, I'm going to put a few things on here that are going to delineate this from the other levels. So embarrassment and guilt, they still are oscillating up at a pretty decent level. As we go down to humiliation... It starts to oscillate at very oscillate. I mean, this is like freezing you. We're starting to get into some really heavy-duty stuff here. And so bullying starts to come in. Um, some language um, that, that gets some inflammatory language starts to come in. So there's some things there 
that happen that you don't own. Okay. So I'm going to put on humiliation here. You don't, you still don't own this. Okay. You have not internalized this yet. Maybe somebody called you a name or a racial epithet or called you a sinner or did whatever, some term, they came up with some inflammatory language and they labeled you somehow. But at this point, right, Abednego, um, you don't own this yet. And as I keep on going, I'll come back to you in a minute here on this, as soon as I get done with this hierarchy here, Abednego, I want you to comment a little bit on some of these things because in the faith, in the Christian faith, uh, these kind of bog us down here. As we get into humiliation now, let me say this, because you don't own it yet, someone, some outside person, they have, they have tried. They have put this on you. Someone has put this thing on you, okay? And for now, I'm just going to leave it like that. Hey, have put this on you. And so you haven't internalized it, okay? You don't own this. You haven't internalized it. So what it means is you can still talk about it, okay? You haven't internalized it. And so you're not feeling like you're in some prison here. And the key difference is that you can still talk about this, okay? You can. You can still talk about it at this point. And the difference, so, you know, somebody hits you in the playground, you can go tell the teacher, you can go tell your dad and your mom, you can do whatever, because someone, they treated you terribly, okay? You can still talk about this. That's really where this delineation comes in, okay? And on the humiliation side, one of the things that you've done very well for us, Ragnar, over the years, you've got to stop this thing, okay? And I'm going to come back to you a little bit later on this, but you have to stop it. You need a pattern interrupt here, okay? Um, if you don't, okay, if you don't have a pattern interrupt, it turns into full-blown shame. And so somewhere along the way, you need to get some help. You need to talk to someone, which you can do at this point. You still can. You need a pattern interrupt, okay? And that will help. That will short circuit, okay? That'll short circuit the shame cycle, and it'll stop it from going into full size. Full size, big boy shame here, okay? And so that's humiliation. That's our third component on this. Um, if you don't do this, if you don't have in here a pattern interrupt right there, if you don't have it, it'll morph into full-blown shame, okay? Again, as we go down here, these qualities in this shame hierarchy, again, in class number seven, part one, shame hierarchy here. We're on the third step of this foundation, this humiliation, and the lower we go. If you want to view it like shame is the worst, the lowest level oscillator, it's kind of like that is... Absolute zero, if you want to use a chemical term. We wouldn't be the first time we use some terms in here. As we move down towards shame, shame is our next one. Shame is the bottom. If, if you look at some of the work that's been done out there on human brain activity and oscillation levels in the brain, the lowest level feeling, the lowest level behavior known to human beings is this next one here, the brain oscillates at the lowest level when shame is introduced, okay? And so I want to put that up now and just talk about that a little bit um, as, as we go. The, the last one here, okay, is shame. 
Okay. Now this one here, this one's different than the other ones because the other ones you could get help. Okay. On shame, you can also too, obviously, but most people don't know how. And the pain is so acute and so terrible, so awful in regards to shame and topics that they don't even want to admit or talk about some of these issues. So in their mind, it's as good as not talking about it. They don't want to. They can't. Too much pain. Okay. Uh, one of the things that we know about shame on this, um, all of it, all of this stuff now, um, all of it has morphed now. The humiliation, the guilt, everything. If gone unchecked, it's all morphed now into full-blown shame is what we call it. Okay. And some people are wanting some resources out there. We can explain a lot of things, but without digging in and owning all this stuff, and, and now in a 20, 30-minute video, it's hard, to, um, it's hard to get the whole full realization of how this damages people. So uh, Brene Brown has quite a few books out there. You can get them on at Barnes Noble, Amazon, whatever. Brene Brown, I think she's out of Houston. Uh, does some really good work on shame. So you can get some of that out there. Ours is a little bit different slant, um, but uh, we have certainly learned a lot from her too. Shame is the full-blown manifestation of all this other stuff, okay? And you've got into a mess on this deal. Might have started out just with a little bit of guilt on something and you try to put that away. And then humiliation comes in and, and then again unchecked. So it's now full-blown shame. Is that you now... Um, this is, remember when we talked back a bit ago on guilt, that was about you did a thing. This shame is about you are this deal. Okay. So it's a little bit, you are this now. And so now you own it. Okay. And so it's different because we can't just, it's not a candy bar that we can just forget about somewhere. You own it now. And because you own it, without some weird galactic superhero skills, you cannot talk about this thing. And that's a key part um, in creating this emotional logjam with shame that creates thoughts of suicide, um, thoughts of I hate God and all this other stuff that people get into. You cannot talk about it, okay? And in a lot of counseling that you guys have worked through over the years, you cannot talk about this, okay? And that is really the logjam that gets everybody all messed up. So how we say it is then, you just feel like, I mean, it's just too much pain here, you know? It's just too painful on this. And nobody, I mean, this is family shame, legacy, church, God, Jesus, the angels, everything, everybody hates you. That's how you feel. And most of all, you hate yourself. And so we've got it. We're going to have some Monday morning stuff to work through this. But one of the things that we know, you are in your own shame prison. Okay. That's what I would say on this. You're in your own shame prison that you created now. And even if it started with someone else, at least, hey, you didn't stop it. You're implicit in this somewhere. You are in your own shame prison, we're going to call it. Okay. And now on this, okay. It just feels like, and one of the terms that we use that really resonates, you just feel like you have just been covered up in this shame gravy, okay? It's just dumped all over you. You can't get it off of you. 
you just feel like it's in every orifice. It's everywhere. Everywhere you turn, you're reminded of this awful, shameful stuff that's associated with you. This shame gravy is just dumped all over you. Okay. When I say shame prison, you know, um, Abednego, we, we think back to that. Um, and you go, to, just tell me real quick about that on the Archie Griffith show, you know, how that worked on that. Just break that down for us real quickly. I'm sorry. What'd you ask me? Yeah. On, you know, we, we got introduced into this shame prison thing because, yeah. you know, the town drunk on Archie Griffith and, um, th that's really where that came from is that, you yeah. know, yeah. So Andy Griffith's show and Otis is the town drunk, right? And yeah. he, uh, he comes in, obviously he's in the wrong, he's drunk. You're not supposed to be drunk. It's a, it's a no alcohol area. And so he comes in, um, takes the key, unlocks the door, goes in, locks the door, put, hangs the key back up, shuts the He can get out anytime he wants. He yeah. often lets himself. There's episodes where he will come out of the, the jail cell to answer the phone, write the note down on the desk, and then go back in the jail cell again. Um, he can let himself out anytime. And that's a good analogy for uh, what you're talking about when we lock ourselves in our shame prison. You know, we can let ourselves out at any at any moment. We we have the key um, because we're the one that locked ourselves in to begin with. And so, yeah, that's a that's a very good analogy for those of you who are uh, Andy Griffith's show. I I watch uh, I just watch that whole series, and then when it, it comes to the end, I watch it again. It's good stuff. <laughs> you know, it's really good because, and I, and I don't think I don't think that people understand that Abednego um, this idea right that we can get rid of shame that quickly okay um, but there's a few things and we'll get get into them in uh, in uh, the next part on this so this is only part one okay on the seventh class here shame hierarchy you're in your own personal shame prison and it's really no more than once you learn how this foundation works, you can let yourself out of that shame prism in like seconds. Okay. Yeah. You don't need to carry this awful stuff around here. Okay. But because this is used, and I'm going to come back to you, Ragnar, right here and let you go into this a little bit. Um, when we talk about, uh, we're still on shame here. Um, shame, okay, is... It's the lowest level oscillator, okay? And one of the things, you had some thoughts for us last time on this, Ragnar, about how this is used in churches, but in schools, in society, government, in this controlling thing there. I'm going to let you go on that, Ragnar, for a few minutes or however long you want to because there's a couple things here. There's three specific things, Ragnar, that we know that keeps – shame alive here okay and there's people who benefit from you staying in shame what we're trying to do for men anybody who listens really we're trying to tell you some monday morning things to get out of shame and stop thinking about ending your life and these type of thoughts um a couple three things that keep these awful shame feelings alive ragnar and who's going to benefit from keeping you in shame go ahead and do that i'm going to update some more notes here uh I'll let you go on that ragnar I think that um, if you look back through history with the church, 
the Industrial Revolution, uh, the school system we have, you know, kindergarten is a German name. Um, it's, it's a private, they call it the Frankfurt School, where the philosophy in the 1840s for the school system uh, came out of conformity, straight lines. When bells go off, everybody runs to the next class. It was teaching you how to be cattle and sheep. Uh, and it started in the 1840s for the Industrial Revolution because they didn't want a lot of free-thinking, entrepreneurial-minded uh, people to fill these factories. They needed people that were going to be programmed to follow a straight line, not answer not questions, not, not freestyle, and just turn the same screw for 30 years. And they needed that, so they had to conform this population. The elites, again, needed to create a population that would stay in a straight line, turn the same screw for 30 years, not ask any questions, and um, be shamed and intimidated into straight from that. That's why you have the straight line still to this day. You get the fluorescent lights in school. You got the straight line desk, uncomfortable desk. When the bell rings, you got to run. The teachers, uh, the disciplinarians, you have to ask a teacher to go to the bathroom. You have to ask, you know, if you're, if you're five minutes late, you get a demerit. The teacher's put in as the as pseudo king of the classroom. And it's all this program that we just take for granted. You know, you can't chew gum. You can't, you can't go to the bathroom. And it's all this programming is just taken for granted. Same way with the church. It's been that for thousands of years. And it, after generation and generation and generation, then they have their, their own families intimidate them, the members, uh, to stay in check because mom and dad or grandpa and grandpa don't want you don't want to be embarrassed. They don't want to feel shame because their grandson's not obeying the rules. And so now you have this internal pressure from your own family and friends to not get out of the stride. So you have this in multiple ways. And like you said, you have this you have shame, molten lava on top of you, and and you don't, and your head's spinning. And then you take on top of that, for the same motivation, they make sex wrong, so that grown men in their own homes at 50 years old can't say there's sex to their wives or anybody. They can't even talk. They're they're ashamed to talk about the word sex to their married wife uh, in their 50s. And so it's just it's just plethora of shame has dropped on people and with no tools and you have grown men that may be successful engineers or doctors or something in, in their professions. But when it comes to this stuff, they're just a, a frail lamb that has no idea how to, how to uh, stop their head from being actually, you know, feel safe and centered and emotionally. So that's you know, I think there are some things that when we look at those, um, the three components. I just want to make sure we get these down because this will be really key in the next one. There, there are three ingredients that are needed on that. And these three things, I guess you can view it like a, a Petri dish uh, or a laboratory where you're trying to, if we had to grow, um, if we had to grow shame, um, one of the things that we have to have to keep shame alive here. Um, there are three basic things that we talk about, Ben, to go on there, um, that we have to have three things. Um, if we're going to grow shame, if we're going to perpetuate it, if we're going to keep it, um, how do you view that? And those three items we're talking about here, um, can you kind of break that down for us on how that looks? If we're going to have these three ingredients on here. Well, the first thing is secrecy. You got to, 
you got to keep it all a secret. You got to, you're, you're, you're not talking about it. You're not, I and mean, that's what you had already went through um, in the, in the hierarchy as you're talking about when you get to the place of shame, you, you have a very hard time talking about it. It, it's, it hurts to put that out there. And so um, if you stay quiet about it, that perpetuates the shame. It keeps the shame going. You, it, it doesn't go away. It doesn't stop. It doesn't fix anything. Um, you're, you're just kind of hiding it. I mean, if you would think about it, it's a lot like um, what Adam and Eve tried to do when they tried to hide their sin. Um, you, I, we're trying to keep this a secret. We can't let God know, it, you know, um, what happened. And so they, they try to, they try to cover it up. Um, they won't talk about it. Um, and then God comes down and says, Hey, what's, what are you guys hiding? Where are you at? What's going on? He, he knows, he knows what's going on. And, and what they're afraid is that he's going to judge them. He, they're going to, he's going to judge them. And so that's the other ingredient is you got to have somebody judging you not out oh, god didn't really judge them but he did give them the consequence of their sin he, he told them that if you if you eat of that fruit it's going to be bad and um you know you're you're going to die and so he did give them consequence for their sin but did he judge them well i i don't remember the part where he set them down and lectured them and and destroyed their uh, you know, destroyed them uh, morally or, or mentally or anything like that. He, he didn't do that. Um, but he, he did let them know that, hey, you messed up and you got the consequence. So, you know, we're going to do this thing and, and we're going to move on. Uh, and yeah, the other thing is isolation, you know, and uh, that, that is what Adam and Eve tried to do. They tried to isolate themselves from God. They thought they could hide from God. They, they put on some clothes. They go hide behind some bushes and, and think that uh, they can do that. But when you're, when you're secret, uh, when you're not talking, when uh, you're fearful of the judgment, um, when you're, when you, when you isolate yourself from all your friends, from anybody that can help you, uh, then, then you stay in that shame prison. Had, had God never came down to them and, and, made them come out and had that conversation that you there's they're still they're still in their shame now there's consequences for sin forever but the shame you don't have to hang on to that you know one of the things we talk about a lot is that um jesus took our sin to the cross but he also dealt with our shame there too and when he forgives us of our sin we don't have to carry the shame and and that's that's one thing that i think too many christians carry their shame with them they never get rid of it um they're too proud to talk to somebody too afraid they're going to get judged and so they begin to isolate they pull away from the church they pull away from other christian friends they they get in a bubble they they want to get with maybe people who uh, who would agree with whatever sin or whatever thing they did that's created this shame that, that people are going to go, oh, you're okay, that's all right. And, and they huddle up with those people where, you know, and listen, sometimes in the church, people are, for lack of better words, it's just what's coming to my mind, they're idiots when it comes to things like this because they do judge people and, and they do 
um, condemn them and they do shame people. And we're really never told to do that in scripture. We are told to correct a brother. And James, it, it, it talks about correcting a brother. Jesus talks in Matthew 7 about how to remove the speck out of a brother's eye. But we are supposed to help each other in this journey, but not shame and not and not condemn them. I mean, in Romans 8, it tells us that there's no condemnation in, in Christ Jesus. There's there's none. We've been given his spirit. And so, um, you know, sometimes we do, don't do a great job in the church. You know, I think uh, a lot of times, um, you know, we end up with a lot of Christians faking it because they have shame and um, they put on the mask. There's a commercial recently going where they just have the little wooden stick with the big smiley face, you know, but I think of like those old kind of clear masks that you put on, they're all plastic and it's got a great big smile on it. And we, we try to pretend like we're perfect and we pretend like we're okay. And, and we're, we're really not. And, you know, we just try to keep the secrets and uh, we don't tell anybody and, and we're putting on a front and every now and then the mask will kind of slip a little bit and somebody will see in there and we cover it back up real fast because we can't let anybody know that um, we're not perfect. And in those situations, when we're doing that, when we're playing, the, the one thing is all the non-Christian people see that you're fake. And so they, they don't want to have anything to do with anything to do with God, anything to do with Jesus, not church. No, I don't want that because you're fake. They can see right through it. Um, and Christian people don't see it because they all have their masks on. And so everybody just puts their mask on, goes through the doors of the church, smiling, and we're all a mess. And that's what I think that we all really need to realize is that we're all a mess. We've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We, we, all have things that we can be ashamed about, but Jesus died on the cross, so we didn't have to carry that shame anymore. You know, I think one of the things that you're getting at is really key to all this, and uh, uh, Ragnar touched on it a little bit too, is that, look, shame is alive and well. It's in our society. This is universal, okay? It's in our schools, and now uh, all of you have been there, and all of you have heard this. Hey, get in line over. Hey, sit down. Hey, quit, quit fooling around, and so there's a whole societal thing there, um, and then this goes up all the way uh, in every every branch of everything I can think of where there's control and hierarchy set up in society, society, government, schools, churches, family, whatever. They're, they're shame used to control and to have power in all this. One of the things that you brought up here, Abednego, you know, you talked about Adam and Eve there for a little bit, and so I, I certainly want to make sure we – Without going book, chapter, and verse on this, I want to put these down. If you if you have a question about where to find these biblical scriptures, references, you can send us an email. Again, crusader1921 at gmail.com, crusader1921 at gmail.com. Uh, I'll try to put that on the back side of here so we can make sure you have that. You know, there are a couple of things. If you juxtapose that, just take that, you know, the way God handled these people here, Adam and Eve. It's, re I, it's a funny image. They're trying to hide. And if they really believed he was an all-creating, all-being person, and here they are trying to hide behind a tree trunk like a five-year-old and peek around and maybe God won't see him. They're doing all this stuff, trying to hide in the weeds. You know, Jesus, let's just take that, Abednego, real quickly. And I know before we run down here on time, how he handled the woman at the well with all of her shame she felt. She couldn't even, listen, she couldn't even go to the well 
with all the other women. She had too much shame here. And then you, you find uh, back when Jesus ran into this situation, they dragged this lady they found, this woman who was caught in adultery, right? And he didn't go hit the shame button on these people. I mean, when you look at how Jesus did it, and then how we did it on the how we do it on the other side today in our churches when we one of our first things we do is go hit the shame button and you know he, he bent down in in the dirt here and started drawing something and he said okay you know whoever of you and all these guys are hanging around here ready to stone this poor gal whoever is without sin out there you you throw the first one okay and so just real quickly on that Abednego talked about how hard it is because that's been ingrained into us too. Whatever we can do the most damage, we hit that button first. But Jesus, he wasn't about trying to shame people. He's we want to help them, correct them, but it's full of empathy on that. Yeah, and think, go ahead. I think that's two beautiful pictures of how to deal in with shame and in, in the church environment, but really anywhere. You know, in John 4, you have the woman at the well and Jesus, uh, it, it says that he had to go through Samaria. He's going to Jerusalem most of the time. They would go all the way around Samaria. They'd walk miles out of their way to not walk through Samaria. He says he had to um, because there was a woman at the well that he needed to talk to, to to kind of set this example for all of us. And so the woman's there. She's getting water at noon, which tells you that she didn't get it with all the other women in the cool of the morning. So there's, there's something going on here. Um, there's something to this story. And so Jesus begins to talk to her. Uh, she's living with a guy. Uh, she's, she's had several different husbands in the past. Jesus has laid out the truth. He didn't condemn her. He didn't shame her about it. He just said, just stated it as a fact. And then he began to tell her the truth and he told her who he was, that he was living water, that she's going to get thirsty. If she drinks this again, she drinks the living water that he gives. She'll never thirst again. Um, he tells her some other things and she catches on real fast that he's a Messiah. So she runs into town. She tells everybody they come back. It, it's, a, it's an amazing thing. But here's the thing. Jesus knew her shame, and, and he did expose it, but he did it without judgment. He did it without condemnation. And, and then she was open to hear what he had to say. Um, in John 8, with the woman caught in adultery, here's religious leaders trying to trap Jesus. They're trying to set him up. And so um, under law, both the man and the woman should have been stoned to death, but they only have the woman there. Um, she's guilty. She, she's de dead to rights. She's guilty. The law said that she should be stoned to death. Um, and there she is. She's in the dirt, uh, probably barely clothed, if at all. She's trying to cover her nakedness. She's trying to cover her shame. Uh, the leaders are trying to trap Jesus. What do you think, Jesus? What are we going to do? The law says we got to kill her. What do you want to do? And Jesus bends down. He begins to write in the dirt. And then he looks up at him and he says, let the one without sin cast the first stone. And, uh, you know, I firmly, I, I do kind of believe that maybe Jesus was writing some things that those guys would have been ashamed of if it was found out. And after he said what he said, then one by one, they dropped their stones and they turned around and walked away. And I have to think the sounds of those stones hitting the dirt had to be deafening. And so they walk away. Jesus looks at this woman. He goes, has no one condemned you? And she says, no one, sir. And he goes, neither do I. I don't condemn you. 
now go and sin no more. Um, he told her, you know, he told her not to sin anymore, but he didn't condemn her. He didn't yeah. go, what were you doing? What were you thinking? That was stupid to do that. Don't you know the law? Um, you know, he, he didn't do anything like that. And uh, it, it really, it really just, uh, it just killed everything. I, I believe this woman um, walked out of there, a proud woman, um, that she had met Jesus. And uh, I think it changed her life. I don't think she carried that shame around at all. I think it's such a, it's such a powerful thing there. Um, Ragnar, you know, when we talk about these three ingredients, um, Abednego, you just alluded to those stories there about how Jesus handled that. If we want to look at these three ingredients, how to build shame, grow shame, perpetuate shame, we have secrecy, we have judgment, and isolation. So we all understand that thing. I think this is what makes it hard for us, Ragnar. And you, you've seen this too, and it's, I've seen this in so many different ways. Okay, so we know how to build shame, grow shame, perpetuate it. This part here is how to kill shame, empathy. Why on earth, you know, Ragnar, why is this part right here, empathy? Why is this so hard for us, you think, on that side of it? And it's just, you know, I don't, I'm not looking for a pat answer or anything. It's just something that we can start to develop as we go through not only this series, but our lives to make us, help us be better people, this empathy thing is the missing ingredient and all that thing. And so, you know, why do you think that is on that empathy side? Well, a guy named Dyer who passed away about five years ago, very, very, very wise spirit thinker and seeker. Um, I had a fortunate uh, chance to meet him in Chicago. And, and his thing was, you, you, you can't, you can't give what you don't have. And so if you've not received, because of the multi-generational shame that's meant, uh, discussed five, ten minutes ago, because of this multi-generational shame, the people around you have never received empathy. And the people above them never received empathy. And then grandpa never received empathy. And so they can't give what they don't have an experience themselves. Most people have not received, especially in the church, multiple generations, they haven't received empathy, genuine, like, like uh, Abednego was discussing with Jesus, genuine, heartfelt, warmth, non-judgment, you know, which, which allowed the woman at the well to drop her guard. We've discussed that in different contexts multiple times, sometimes discussing women, you know, as long as you're non-judgmental and you have a conversation, they'll be very open with you about a lot of different things. And that's just, in, in, you know, a spiritual or, or religious example there at the well, but we've discussed that in different contexts multiple times. You know, she never, she, she dropped her guard. She went there at noon, but she's had her guard. That's why she went there at noon. Her, her, she shut down her guards up. She's got a wall up. And as soon as she felt genuine, empathy, probably for the first time in her life, the guard came down. And then, then, then her energy, she felt warmth, and then her energy, she, she's been wanting to get that out for, for a long time. Just like we've had guys give testimonials in the classes we give. They've been wanting to get that out for a long time. And as soon, it doesn't take long. As soon as they feel that safe environment on judgment, it pours out like the dam breaks quickly. And that's what happened with her. But why, why is it so hard to give empathy? Because we weren't taught to give empathy because we haven't experienced it. 
multiple generations. You can go back millennia. Very few people have experienced true empathy um, from other from other people, including their own family. I mean, let, let's face it. Most of our families, especially raised in the church, are very judgmental. Very judgmental. What are you wearing? You, you can't express. There's this external pressure, mom and dad and grandpa, grandpa and the neighbors and the brothers and sisters to conform, 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 they're conforming. And I think, you know, so then experienced a, a, a true non-gemental atmosphere. And I think that's why it's so hard to, we, we just, we're not practiced at it, giving or receiving. You know, it's, um, it, it's right on, it's right on on this. One of the things when we went over, I think Ragnar, a couple of series back, when we talked about awareness, it's that people can only operate at their highest level of awareness, right? Um, we talked about that and listen, man, what you're talking about here as we get ready to close this, because I'm gonna come back to you guys for some quick hits as we start to close out. If you've never experienced empathy, this is a foreign thing to you. You don't understand, all you know is, you know, on these commercials where the people, Staples has it maybe, where they hit this easy button, right, this deal. Listen, this is a lot easier way to deal with people. Just hit the shame button and make them feel terrible and go back and get in line. Okay? And so I think what you're looking at on empathy side, we don't know how to do that because we don't teach it. We don't live it. We don't model it. We don't work in this environment. Okay. And for people in power in your town, whoever, the government, people, elected church, family, whoever, it's just easier to control people. Hit the shame button. Instead of developing a real adult mature conversation, we just hit the shame button because that just seems like get them all in line and I don't want to deal with it. I got to get to bed. I got to do something. I don't want to talk about all this. And so that is kind of where I'm at on this. We're going to wrap this up. There's been some really good things that we had on here. Um, if you want to contact us, crusader1921 at Gmail. Um, let me run down here real quick on this. I'm going to come back to you just for a couple of things. Remember now, seven golden rings, class number seven, part one on this, the shame hierarchy. Um, let me just go on a couple things on here first. Four part on this, embarrassment, okay? Then we go into guilt, where it's really talking about your actions on that. As we move down through this hierarchy on this, then we go to number three, humiliation. And things start to get frozen in here. We can't, we're starting to get frozen here. The machine doesn't always work. Everything's getting stuck here. And then we go in down here now to full-blown shame, number four, when we just dump shame gravy all over everybody, okay? And we really are in a shame prison. That's how we view that, and it is. You just feel like you can't move, you can't do anything. You have no freedom. You can't do anything on this. You're going to bring terrible feelings. And so many times, so then people start thinking about suicide, ending their life because, oh, that's better than dealing with all this. Can you imagine on this, Ragnar? the kind of pain that you can internalize if you just rather end your whole life than look at your neighbors. But this is what happens. The next part we're going to go into part two is about shame and suicide. We're going to go there next. Before we do, um, this is the bottom line on all this. So I want to give a review real quick on this. How do we perpetuate, build, grow shame? You have to have these three ingredients on this. Secrecy, judgment, isolation. To kill shame, though, to kill shame and its tracks, we need empathy. And we have to have comments like that. You know, I understand. That's empathy. But to have empathy, you have to have rapport. I'm not hearing a lot what you're saying. 
Okay. Uh, um, the last 30 seconds to a minute, I see your mouth moving, but I don't hear any audio. I've heard it. Okay. Well, I just want to go, I just want to go back in here is that we know how to build shame and dump shame on people. Okay. And, but we've got to learn this empathy side about how to kill shame. Hope that audio is a little bit better. And as we go through there, we've got to learn and develop empathy for others, for our family, our friends, our neighbors, citizens, you know, church members, whoever. I'm going to go to Ragnar um, just real quick, a couple uh, quick hits on this. Before I'm, not, we... I'm not hearing any audio. I'm not okay. hearing any audio from you, Crusader. Yep. Uh, I can you hear me. I don't know. He might not be able to hear I you. I can buddy. hear you um, go just fine. For the last two or three minutes of a bit of Crusader, I've hardly heard anything. Just saw his mouth move a lot. Okay. He was just asking you to wrap it up. Yeah, go ahead. Kind of give your uh, give your quick hits. Why don't you go, uh, Abednego? Just go ahead and give your uh, final thought on this, and we'll just wrap it up from there. Well, okay. I can I, hear uh, you now. Go ahead, Abednego. Okay. Okay. Well. Where, where you're at with with shame is if you can bring it out of the dark if you can bring it out behind the bush and talk about it find somebody i can't that you hear trust. him either now yeah find, yeah, go find ahead, somebody that you, you trust and and um get get whatever it is out in the open get it exposed to light you know jesus is the light and uh and get it exposed and uh and then that you'll get it taken care of you you got to do that and you got to let it go Whatever that is, you got to let it go. Um, so let it go, get it exposed, talk to somebody you trust, begin to process it, um, and and you can move on out. And just remember that there's so many scriptures, but there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so you don't have to carry that shame with you. If you can, uh, if you can hear that, Ragnar, you got any couple last thoughts for us? I can't hear you. Did you say something okay. to me? Yeah. Do you have last yeah. thoughts? All I'm getting is modulation from you guys. I can't hear what you're saying. Uh, okay. Well, I'll tell you what. I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up then. I think it's really good, um, Abednego, some of your thoughts there. We heard quite a I bit from uh, Ragnar as we went along. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up uh, from the PMC boys, the Seven Golden Rings. Um, on the shame part one, we'll come back to you on part two for suicide and shame. Thanks guys. Have a good one. See you.